Well, if you ever catch yourself thinking when looking in the mirror, I wish my under eye bags would just go away. You're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now, introducing my new favorite, the new GenuCell Serum with plant stem cell technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote me, I've been using GenuCell for a couple months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and haven't come back. I love this product. I use it under my eyes, around the cheekbones, and on my eyelids. With its instant effects, Chamonix says you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. They guarantee it. Order now and save big on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L. For an instant 10% off your order, order now. You'll get the amazing Genucel XV face cream. When you order the exclusive Genucel most popular package at checkout, that's love, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Terry Canefield. She's an author and she is a lawyer. She's incredibly smart and hopefully she can talk me down a little bit (laughs) off that political ledge. But before we get into our conversation, I do try to keep these intros short. I have a tier on Patreon, though, that allows listeners to listen ad-free and with a much shorter intro. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep the show going, and I'm so grateful. If you do enjoy today's show, take a look at the About page, check out some of my past guests. Most of the time, I talk to political people. Sometimes I talk to actors because I used to be one, but just visit at patreon.com slash start me up. I do two free shows a week on Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're followed up by the What's Up show, which is just me alone talking about whatever I feel like, kind of like an online diary. I also do one patrons only show with a guest once a month. Just check out the variety of tier options at patreon.com slash start me up. You can make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I've included a link that makes it easy to donate through PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found just stop by the itunes app apple podcast store become a subscriber it's free and while you're there if you like the show please rate it and leave a review i would really appreciate it now please enjoy my conversation with terry canefield welcome back to the show terry oh thank you for having me today well first of all today's going to be a little different for me just because i didn't write down a list of questions which i'm not really worried about only because you have a feed full of information that I can pull from. But the reason we're talking today is because you and I had kind of talked last week a little bit in DMs. And I think I think what started it was I had tweeted about how liberals are insisting that McConnell is basically the majority, majority leader now. And he's not. De- he's definitely got a lot of pull, but he's not the leader. And there have been, there's been a lot of right now, like today it came out that he said in 2023, if he's the leader, he's not bas- he's not going to give Biden a uh, Supreme Court justice if, if one beca- a seat becomes available. That's one thing that he can't do right now. And, you know, it's, there's there's the, all the committees in the Senate that are head by Democrats. They, they would be head by Republicans if he were the leader. And so you and I kind of had a back and forth about this. And I th- from what I gathered, you agreed. And then you were talking about the fact that people are kind of panicking right now. And it seemed 
like it was ha- like the same thing is happening in 2020 worrying about Trump getting reelected. So what I'm going to ask you about is to basically, <laughs> if you can, my challenge to you is to walk me off, take me off that political uh, ledge. Uh, I like other people because I'm getting the sense from Twitter that people are really worried. We're really frightened because we're seeing what the Republicans are doing. We're seeing their efforts to suppress the vote. We're seeing the fact that Joe Manson and Kristen Sinema and uh, a number of other Democrats aren't necessarily going to support removing the filibuster and passing those laws um, that would make voting easier for everyone. And so, you know, I, I feel like because half the country doesn't vote, you know, we've got some people paying attention, and some of those people who are paying attention are following QAnon. And then, even though they're in the minority, they're very loud, and some of those people are in Congress. Also, it's like, I think that, you know, before, and, and I'm not saying Trump is Hitler or the GOP is Hitler per se, but I'm just, as an analogy, saying that people didn't understand that there was going to be this Nazi Germany before it happened. They figured everything would just work itself out, that the system would work itself out. And they were wrong. And so I feel like we, we are in a position that's very similar and that so many people think everything's just going to work out. And it, it hasn't worked out in a number of ways when it comes to, like, for instance, how Trump got in office. And, I mean, we've just got hi- history of, like, decades and decades of either voter suppression or, you know, getting rid of education in schools and all this stuff. So basically what I want to know from you is how you're feeling about what's, what, what's happening moving forward and especially the 2022 elections. Well, you said so much in there. I know I did. That I think I'll just take issue with one, one characterization and then we'll move on. I don't know that people said, oh, well, things will just work out when Hitler was coming to power. Mm-hmm. That wasn't actually at all what happened. Um, more what happened was people were pretty powerless to stop it. Okay. Um, Hitler came to power through an internal, through uh, some back, so, sort of some backroom negotiations in Germany. Mm-hmm. And um, there was some division in the United States. We had a few people who were cheering for Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, Lindbergh was one of them. A couple of famous people were cheering for Hitler. Um, Roosevelt, who was the president, was most decidedly not. Mm-hmm. And they took lots and lots and lots of steps to try to prevent what happened. Um, but because we don't have control over what's going on internally in, um, in Germany, basically Hitler came to power with about 33% of the vote. Hmm. Uh, and so, um, and so, a characterization that people just think things are going to work out, um, I, I don't think is accurate. And I, I don't think that's what anybody is saying right now. I don't think anybody's saying things are going to work out. So, with that, well, and um, let me just be clear. I'm, I'm talking about like Twitter users who are not uh, professional pundits or, um, you know. Uh, politicians i think from from what i've seen and i'm obviously it's not everyone not all but you know there are a group of people who think that because biden is in power just like they thought when obama was president that oh i don't need to vote in the midterms because everything's fine and it's like voters aren't necessarily 
clear right. about the yeah, danger. Yeah, so I should I, I shouldn't have picked on it. That was like a very minor side point. But I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. But okay. back, back to you know back to what you were saying. Yeah, I didn't mean to like sort of side trail with that. It's just that, um, you know, the characterization like. Yeah, people people work pretty hard to try to prevent what happened then. Mm-hmm. But sort of back to the current situation. Um, Marie, yeah, you asked me if I could talk you off the ledge, and I said <laughs> I'm not. I said I'm not sure I can. Um, and then you, which is a good idea too. And then you actually asked me if the fascists were going to win. Remember that? Yeah. Well, I think I think what I said was I think people are more frightened. Not that they're going to that they're insisting Democrats are going to lose as much as fear of fascists winning. And I can definitely say I am in that category. Right. Okay. So let's let's talk about um, like you said. You you said so. You said so much. Um, One of one of the things you have to understand about social media is that fear grabs people Mm -hmm. and everybody wants to be popular. Mm -hmm. And so I could tell you, I check my own every once in a while. I don't look often, but every once in a while I'll check, you know, my, you know, these social media platforms, you know, tell you, you know, which of your, you know, tweets are doing better than others Mm -hmm. and whatever. And there's just no question. And and also you can see what's happening, that there's no question that fear mongering and despair mongering gets clicks. It always does. So you have to separate that out. Um, A lot of people don't understand how government works um, and they think changes is instant. Mm -hmm. But I think the I think one of the, you know, maybe what I would suggest is that we, we, answer the question um, or look at the, let's analyze the question. Are the fascists going to win? Will the right wing win? Is I think that might be a good place to start. Yeah, um, definitely. Will they win? Right. Um, and the, the answer to that, and, and the, the answer to that is it depends. <laughs> so um, actually ask a lawyer any question. That's probably <laughs> right. the answer. Um, it depends. It, it depends. And the other thing that I'll throw out as an answer and then we can explore it is, you know, you're there on the ledge, people are frightened. Is that a bad thing? Well, Mm -hmm. that depends. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be a very good thing because there is a danger. Mm -hmm. There is no doubt a danger. And and it's easy to articulate the danger. So if people weren't, if, if fear and concern motivates people to engage in mm-hmm. productive civic engagement, yeah. then that then that fear is a good thing. Yes, I agree. If the fear, on the other hand, um, the fear if the fear translates into um, sort of a conclusion that the government failed and democracy failed, it if it if it translates into that, it becomes extremely dangerous, mm-hmm. and um, and so. It depends on what's done with that, and it depends on how how people react to it. And there are so, um, so both of those are kind of an it depends. So, am I going to take you off the ledge? Well, it depends on what you're going to do out there on the ledge. <laughs> you know, I mean, if if sort of being on a ledge or being scared motivates people to right work and you know okay what did i do this week um i've volunteered as voter protection lawyer in the last several elections Mm -hmm. and this morning i made some phone calls um i was volunteering sort of out of my time zone last time i'd like to get a little closer to my own time zone (laughs) um but made some phone calls to see you know after some travel plans i'll have some volunteer time to do legal work Mm -hmm. and so i'm i'm looking right now for 
you know, two years ago, I did the same thing. I said, where am I going to spend my next two years? And I'm doing that right now. So what people need to do is feel concerned enough to make a contribution in whatever way they can. Yes. And too much complacency is Mm -hmm. far more dangerous than fear. Mm -hmm. But some of what happens on social media is, um, is that you discover there, somebody tweeted, and I, I found it because someone flagged it for me. I wouldn't have seen it. I, I actually kind of stay in a narrow corner of what I read on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I read my feed, so I see what people are saying in my feed. But I follow you know, kind of specific people, and so sometimes I don't see things. And somebody tweeted why are, you know, something very derogatory about how you know, the Democrats are just acting like a whole bunch of, you know, losers Mm -hmm. and they're not doing what they need to do. And we're all like in in deep shit because the the Democrats are like, (laughs) you know, so ineffective. And that got about 20,000 likes. Wow. So, um, so why, why do I say this kind of thing is dangerous? Well, it's dangerous in an immediate sense of if it's, if it's all over and if it's too late, then why would anybody get engaged? Exactly. And I agree with that. Yeah. But there's another thing that's even more important, which is that um, democratic institutions are flawed and they are frustrating. And I can tell you that from personal experience because I did – my appellate um, practice was limited to representing indigents, which means none of my clients could ever afford to pay. I never actually billed a client. And so I, I got paid through other ways, but I, I've never built a client and none of my clients could pay. And all my clients were in deep trouble. And um, most of my clients, if they were white, they were um, either addicted to drugs or in an abusive domestic situation. I, I t- my clients tended to be underrepresented groups. And I was always frustrated with the courts and what happened and the law. And I was always railing against um you know, what was going on, you know, the, the, the way that the deck was sort of stacked against my clients. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And also I'll just like add that all my clients were innocent. just in case you wondered, I never had, <laughs> but, but I often felt frustrated, but it never occurred to me to, uh, to torpedo the system itself mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you work within the system. So democratic institutions are flawed mm-hmm. and they're imperfect. And so, um, but, but, they're all we've got and the alternative mm-hmm. is very bad <laughs> yes so you don't you you need to keep them with all of their frustrations and flaws so one one of the things that actually clinton watts who's a sort of prominent like you know he knows a lot about national security and yes. this sort of thing he says that uh, he pointed out a few years ago wisely that one goal of Russian active measures was to cause people to lose confidence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in democratic processes. And this doesn't mean you believe. This isn't like, you know, clap for the fairy and, mm-hmm. and your Tinkerbell will appear. Confidence in democratic institutions means that you live with them, you accept them, you work with yes, them. They yes, work. Right. And it, it's when people lose confidence in democratic institutions. The reason this is dangerous is because that's when they fall in behind a strong man mm-hmm. who promises to get things done. And this happens on the left as well as the right. Mm-hmm. This is not just right wing that someone comes along and says, I can blow, you know, the rules are stupid. The institutions are stupid. Let's torpedo them and build something new. Mm-hmm. Well, beware of that. Yeah. Um, and so when people lose confidence in democratic institutions, that's when the whole 
that's when democracy will fail. That is the biggest danger. And this is what um, somebody like Daniel Ziblatt, author, author of How Democracies Die, what he says is that the greatest danger to democracy surviving is where people turn away from it and they say this isn't working. So the way this happens on the left, I actually have people come into my feed and tell me that the Democrats, you know, liberals better start arming. Mm-hmm. They better start like, you know, the the only way out of here is it's going to be violent and we better get ready. Mm-hmm. Well, or they mock me and call me naive for mm-hmm. saying that we have to work within the democratic institutions. Mm-hmm. They tell me I'm naive. Well, if you don't work within the democratic <laughs> institution, what are you going to do? Yeah. And the idea that you can work around the rules, break a few rules in order to get the result you want is a false – I mean this is a trap mm-hmm. because th- once you say we're going to ignore the rules and we're going wor- to work around the democratic institutions and then once we, once we get what we want, we'll go back to the rules. Right. It doesn't work no. like that. So people call me naive. People, you know, uh, call me worse because because you have to work within the democratic institutions, even though it's really, really, really slow and really, really, really frustrated. And you'll never be completely happy. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll never get everything you want. But the alternative is to undermine public confidence in democratic institutions mm-hmm. because that's when people will do that's what leads to to, to violence because yeah, definitely if you if you think that you know um if you think that the that the democratic institutions are not are going to completely fail and well you know which actually leads to the next question right will they <laughs> <laughs> and and what do we do if they do but in the meantime so so the idea so when you wanted me to talk to you off the ledge, it's like, well, you know, I will or won't, depending on how productive you are out there on the ledge. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but then also the, the question, you know, um, how, how do we, what do we do? Um, you have to work within the democratic institutions. And, oh, actually somebody was, another thing that people were sort of deriding, you know, me and other people um, is these stupid institutionalists. Like this, 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 this fidelity to institutions yeah. is really going to get us into trouble. People are, are actually saying that. Wow. Because because people are defending Garland, Merrick Garland right now is saying that he's inst- interested in preserving the institution of the Justice Department as what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, 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 you can't be an institutionalist right now because we want you to do something else. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so. When when institutionalist is thrown around as a derogatory mm-hmm. term, I, I see that happening. And what's what's really weird about it is, like I said, I spent my legal career, my appellate practice, railing against the system, and um, and moaning about how it was unfair and my clients got a bad deal. And but then when democracy is in danger, I, I'm I'm an institutionalist. Right. I never I never intended for there not to be democratic institutions i just wanted to get some different judges in there and i just wanted to you know yes. to get get some laws changed and and my work sometimes feels like a drop in the ocean so i've actually helped i helped pass one law that was good and i helped kill one law that was bad in, mm-hmm. in my my career as a lawyer it's little it's little but you know 
if, if everybody does a little. Mm-hmm. Um, so so at any rate, that's um, you know kind of a, kind of a, a way in. It can be the fear can be dangerous or can be productive. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've always said when you're comfortable, uh, you're not motivated. And I think that Donald Trump was a great motivator. And I'm mm-hmm. curious, you know, to see what happens in 2022, because the Republicans, I don't think they're entirely surprising, but but in some, I don't know, in some cases, they kind of have surprised some of us because like, you know, I've said on my show a million times since the election that there there were even Republicans like anti-Trump Republicans, never Trump Republicans, who thought that when Biden won, that the Trump craziness would go away, or at least it would start to, that we would see a slow progression of Republicans moving away from Donald Trump's, considering he lost and all that stuff. But that's not what happened. So what we're seeing is the total embrace it, that they've totally embraced Trumpism. And so my quest, actually, I do have a question for you about the fact that, um, you know, I agree with you. Like, I, 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 well, I, I agree with you, and then I also think that there can be certain exceptions made. Um, if you're an institutionalist, you can remain an institutionalist and say, okay, well, considering these events we're dealing with, we might change a rule, but keeping within the idea that we're preserving democracy. But what I want to ask you is when one side cheats... And I don't think the Democrats should cheat. I don't think the Democrats should break the law or anything like that. But I, but my, I have an issue with not how they're doing things like procedurally or, or as far as following the rules. It's more about messaging and playing hardball. So how can Democrats fight the GOP um, without breaking the laws and the rules and and cheating how can because i think it i'm not saying it's easy and i'm not saying it's just just going to be you know oh just do this and everything's fine but but i feel like there could be different strategies to take on or more effective i should say strategies to take on that would uh i don't know like squash some of these cheating efforts and squash some of these efforts that we're seeing from Republicans. I mean, is there something that you think Democrats that could be doing within the rules that would be us? Cause I, that's what I want to see. I want to see stronger um, messaging when it comes to promoting 22 and um, getting people involved and ready well, to participate. Messaging, I, I'm not, there are people who know better than I do. I'm not, I've never been a good one for like sort of, I, my, I don't know much. I'm not, I'm my, my profession was never to, you know, uh, tailor messages. Right. Um, but what could, that is like could not the what Democrats. I know how to do. But, but cause yeah, you, you said a bunch of things there, but let me just like finish this out. Um, Sometimes the message that people on the left want aren't necessarily the messages that are most effective, depending on what your goal is. So um, sometimes, if you're, so I, I really can't answer to I can't answer that because that's also a um, sometimes what people on the far left want to hear and think is strong messaging isn't necessarily effective for people who are less engaged. That's what I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. so I'm not an expert. Um, I do agree that in general, um, Democrats are a lot worse 
with slogans. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that is because um, if you're if you're truthful, it's a little harder. So the Republicans are very, very good at mm-hmm. quote messaging because yeah. they're also really comfortable with lying. Right. And so um, so it's always easier to have effective and compelling messages if you're not glued to the truth. But um, as far as messaging, yeah, I, I probably, but I do think one thing to be aware of is that sometimes the messaging that the far left wants to hear isn't necessarily the most effective. Oh, yeah, so, and I'm not speaking about the far left. And I also feel like I don't know the messaging either. I just think that they're, you know, like, for in- instance, there's Frank Luntz, and he, he um, runs, you know, slogans or whatever it is by a group of people, and then he decides, okay, this works and this doesn't. And I think that Democrats could take advantage of hiring somebody, and I'm sure they have, but I mean, I, I think like going deeper and you're right, fear and lies that are targeted to people, to people's hatred or, you know, fear messaging works. And mm-hmm. when, you, when you're talking about the truth and I'm not talking about the far left, I'm just talking about like the voting, especially, especially people who don't vote. So like what could like maybe right, and I'm not see, saying okay, and so I, but wait, here's, I, what, here's what let me just um, tell you what I think that Biden's strategy is whether it's a, it seems to be very effective because he has an extraordinarily high approval mm-hmm, rating yeah. considering how polarized um, how polarized America is right now yeah. and generally the higher the approval rating the president has sort of the better everybody his party will do in the midterms mm-hmm. and so um, so his strategy is to prove that government works, mm-hmm. to pr- to show that government can work for the people, and he is actually accomplishing a lot. He's not doing some of the hot top things on maybe our list, mm-hmm. but he's doing a lot for average people, and he's got a very high, um, a very high approval. Mm-hmm. And so, too much fighting reminds everybody of the last administration. Right. Yes. And so what he wants to do is he wants to set himself apart mm-hmm. so that the so that the contrast for the for the less engaged voter is very stark. Do you want to go back to all that fighting mm-hmm. or do you want to or do you want to stay with Biden who's calm right. and who gets things yeah. done and who helps people? Yeah. So I think that um so that's what I said like not just the far left but I mean the left in general. He could be playing to the center. Yeah. And Playing to the center is not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, if he if he goes into if we go into the twenty twenty four and he's writing on a sixty percent approval, <laughs> yeah. then it's you know it's kind of a done deal. Yeah. Especially if somebody if there's a Trump or Trump type person, mm-hmm. then it becomes do you want to go back to that chaos, <laughs> right? And, or not? So um, so I'm I do on so to answer the question, kind of sort of wrap that a long-winded answer up. Um, I do agree that the Democrats could be better at messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, they've never been as good. <laughs> yeah. um, I think there are reasons. Right. Um, but I also think that maybe um, maybe the message that the Democrats are interested in governing for the sake of, you know, are not interested in just fight, 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 and are interested in making things better for people, it might not be a bad message. Yes. well yeah and I mean is there outside of messaging is there anything that we can do that you're aware of um yes I am I'm so glad you asked within the rules (laughs) so you were saying about they cheat right yeah 
and they cheat. So what do, what do you do? So this is where people say they cheat. So if we don't cheat, you know, we're yeah, going to be. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not for cheating, lose. but yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yeah, this is that. Or, you know, and actually, so hardball, um, hardball just used by itself has just a meaning of like, fight hard mm-hmm. um constitutional hardball is a, is a particular thing mm-hmm. so constitutional hardball is where you're working within the limits of the law mm-hmm. but you're subverting the spirit of the law mm-hmm. so this is what you also don't want to do and this hmm. is what mcconnell does oh, so right. okay. for example refusing to allow yes um obama to do his that was legally that wasn't illegal mm-hmm. But it, but it subverts the intent right. of the law. Mm-hmm. So that's constitutional hardball. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk about hardball in terms of like fight hard, you know, I'm fine with that. But constitutional hardball, though, you don't want to do because then you have both sides subverting the spirit yes. of the law. Yes. And then to, to people who, you know, to people in the center or less in, engaged voters – um, which are really the people you want to bring in, right? Because mm-hmm. you're going to vote Democrat, and so am I. Mm-hmm. Even if Biden screws up, you know, I'm not going to go. Oh, gee, maybe I'll right. vote for Trump after all, right? <laughs> right? So, so the um, so constitutional hardball is a specific thing. Um, but the question is, and actually, I talked a little bit about it this weekend, but I intend to talk more about it again. Talked about it in the past. Um, so the question is. When one side is playing constitutional hardball, how does the other side respond? And the answer was given by a law professor at Georgetown um, named David Posen. I think I have that pronunciation right. And he says what you do is you engage in anti-hardball tactics. Hmm. So these are, these are tactics that neutralize the hardball tactic without escalation. Mm-hmm. So... Escalation is – okay, so actually, back up. What McConnell wants to do is render government dysfunctional so it all fails. Mm -hmm. That's what he wants to do. So what Biden is trying to do is counter that narrative by showing that we can can make government work. So when when you have constitutional hardball, then what this professor says is you do – you come up with ways that neutralize the danger without escalation. So I'll give you some examples. So there, there's a, let's say there's an Indian tribe who is, has a hard time voting because there are no polling places anywhere near. And the closest polling place is 50 miles away. And now the, the state, the Republican legislature decides to close that polling place. So now they have to go mm-hmm. 50, 55 miles all right, or maybe it was 10 miles away, and now they want to go 20 miles away, and it's really difficult. So that is the kind of thing that has everyone all up in arms, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Well, an anti-hardball tactic is – okay, so actually first, the reason they're doing this, the reason the Republican Party does this is because they know that if all of those people on the re- reservation can vote, they're all going to vote Democrat, mm-hmm. and then right. they're going to lose. Yeah. So they, they have a reason. Mm-hmm. So the anti-hardball tactic would be for a group to organize and figure out how to get those people to the polls. And no, no matter how many laws the Republicans try to pass, there's a way to do it. There's mm-hmm. a way around it. Okay. There's a way to get these people to the polls. So you organize mm-hmm. and you get people to the polls. And then if you get enough people to the polls, you vote these Republicans out. But that's an anti-hardball tactic. Interesting. So here – 
here's another thing. Um, if, if you read some of the, you know, you get these headlines going, oh my God, democracy's in danger. We're going to all, <laughs> when you read, there's usually an if in there. Yeah. Okay. So for example, um, the Republicans in some states are trying to pass laws that will criminalize what will, will have criminal penalties for election officials mm-hmm. who do whatever that's undefined. Right. So, okay. So what the headline says is, oh, this is a danger. And the reason it's a danger is because it could prevent people from wanting to take that job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know what it made me want to do? It made me want to go run for the office <laughs> right. and take the job. <laughs> right. So there's an opening right now here in, in my town because the election official um, left after he got some death threats. But I don't believe that's why he left. I think he was leaving anyway. He took another government job in Contra Costa. I don't really know the details. I won't go into it. But I live in a blue state in a blue town mm-hmm. with in a in – a, I, I live in a – spot of blue and a sea of pink basically <laughs> and so um and so what it does to me is it makes me want to go run for office yeah let them let them try to criminalize me i'm i'm good with that like <laughs> i'll you know i'll, I'll you know i'll join martin luther king and you right. know, henry yeah. davis throw you know the some some sometimes you know it it's only it's it's only a danger if we let it yeah so, um, so that's an, a, another anti-hardball tactic is to say, okay, they're trying to criminalize these people. So let's give them all a legal team, and let's—if any of them are afraid to, to to do the job, let's have somebody run who isn't. Yeah. And go ahead, and and you know, the, you're never going to be criminalized for being honest and doing a good job. You can't. The right. It just can't. So, um, so that's another example of, of anti-hardball. So, during during the 2020 election, when um, everybody was having panic meltdowns left and right, and I, and I had a thing on my blog, remember, frequently yes. asked questions. Yes. So I was listening to Kamala Harris gave a um, a talk, and someone asked her all the questions I get. Oh, they're trying to like suppress our votes, and what do we do? And what do we do? Oh my God! And she said, "Well, think of it as a challenge." Mm-hmm. They put they put up a roadblock. You figure out how to get around it. Yeah, because once enough people get around those roadblocks, then they're going to lose, and then they can't make any. And then you can change the laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think I think that is the key. And before uh, I ask you my next question, we are going to take a minute to have a commercial break. So we will be right back. There's so much going on in the world that can make it difficult to relax and decompress. You've experienced the Sunday scaries, that feeling of dread in the pit of your stomach that comes on Sunday afternoons. Now here's a totally different Sunday scaries, vitamin boosted CBD gummies. And you don't even have to wait until Sunday night rolls around. Self-care is so important and Sunday scaries is here to help. Sunday scaries believes that everyone deserves a hand on a difficult day. So if you're looking for a way to decompress, Sunday Scaries has you covered with their CBD products. Visit sundayscaries.com and use the promo code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word, at the checkout and get 25% off your order. That's 25% off at sundayscaries.com with promo code SEXYLIBERAL. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. These products are not for use by sale or to persons under the age of 18. And we're back. Uh, okay, so I guess what I I wanted to say, first of all, 
I do believe that right now we have time. Just just about what you were saying as far as getting around those roadblocks. There's gonna, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the voting rights bill that they want to pass, and if they don't pass it, that, that concerns me. But I feel like there are ways around it because they're putting, you know, the GOP is putting all of these uh, hurdles up. And I think the way to get around that is just like we were talking about, have organize and have a plan. And right now we've got more than a year before we're going to have to go vote. You could figure out, like, depending on where you work, if you want to vote in person, then, you know, figure out taking time off of work or, you know, make sure you get your your ballot in time and you do all your research and fill it out and mail it in or drop it off or do whatever. Just like in 2020, I think if if we recognize that there is a hurdle in front of it, uh, in front of us, then we just plan accordingly. So I agree with that. But what I wanted to ask you is... um, you did a thread, and I want to talk about this thread here on Susan B. Anthony. So um, I want to know, first of all, I mean, have you answered many of the questions, or have you basically covered this? Because I have not read the entire thread, and I just want to see if you already covered this, you know, from what we've been talking about. Or is there a bunch of new things you can share with the Susan B. Anthony? Because you start this off by saying, is it too late to save democracy? Will the fascists win? And then you answer the questions. So I just kind of want to know, like, the the the, uh, the gist of this. Actually, yeah. the gist of it is sort of on my – I didn't put much in that thread. Okay. I was kind of tired. I, I, rec- I did this 10-minute video on Susan B. Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I find that, like, talking to my iPad for 10 minutes, uh, uploading it to YouTube is even a little easier. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> who, 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 who knew, right? <laughs> that, that is easier, too. Um, but the thing is – Susan B. Anthony, I think, is a really good example of, uh, you know, how to answer the question of, is it too late? Mm-hmm. Actually, the question, is it too late, sort of annoys me anyway, mm-hmm. because is it is it too late for what? Um, you know, after Hitler was was in power, was it too late? I mean, it's too late to, it's, yes, it can be too late to prevent damage. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can be too late, but to get out of it again, it's, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I use the example from Chile. My husband was born in Chile. He's from Chile and the Chileans got out from under Pinochet using yeah. democratic means. Hmm. Um, yes, it took a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, Pinochet was really horrible. Um, and yes, it was a full blown dictatorship. Um, and yes, it happened after the Chileans were sick and tired of it enough mm-hmm. so that even the people who supported Pinochet. I mean, okay, he still had some diehard supporters, but yeah. some of those people sort of hovering in the middle, um, can't, you know. But they, the, the Chileans got out with democratic means, mm-hmm. and um, and so it, you know, is it too late? Like, you know, if there's a traffic accident, it's too late to prevent that traffic accident, but it's not too late to take steps to prevent another traffic accident. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so, it's it's really. I have, a, I have a friend whose mother was fond of saying, you're never too old and it's never too tight. <laughs> and I, sometimes when I, people say it's too late and I'm thinking to myself, it's never too late. Like what does too late mean? <laughs> um, this, this afternoon, I'm going to be talking to um, a group of teenage activists. Hmm. They, I, I often get contacted by groups of teenage activists and I think it's because they know I love them. Oh. <laughs> and, I, I love these young activist groups because 
you think they're going to like come of age? Look at the, first off, look at the world they're growing up mm-hmm. in. McConnell grew up in a world where white men controlled all of our institutions. Mm-hmm. They did. The government, governor's mansions, courts, Mm -hmm. universities, it was all run by white men. That was the world of his childhood. Mm -hmm. And these kids are growing up in a world where that's just really not the case. And they're growing up in a multicultural, very diverse country. Mm -hmm. And at least the ones who contact me, they're not going to turn 25 and say, oh, it's too late. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, I mean, they're just not. And so one of the problems that the Republican Party has is that that their numbers are shrinking. Mm -hmm. So when you say about people are surprised by what happened now, I – my what I kept saying over and over, I gave gave my prediction as a if thing too. Mm -hmm. So what I said is one of two things is going to happen. Either – the Republican Party will find a way to sort of oust the Trump people, mm-hmm. or the party's going to shrink and harden into a far right wing, shrink and yeah. harden. Right. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, after the insurrection, a lot of people changed their voter affiliation away from Republican. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was always more likely that they were going to shrink and harden than that they were going to reborn as a true conservative party right and the reason is because they've never been able to win elections without <laughs> those far-right extremists yeah they've always needed those votes so even though i couldn't predict which way it was going to go mm-hmm. and her hope springs eternal um there was always a chance that they would shrink and harden mm-hmm. and the good part is they're shrinking their numbers are smaller yeah. and smaller um but the bad part is as they shrink their base, they have to go to, they have to do their fundraising among a more radical base. Mm-hmm. So they become more radical. So they shrink and become more dangerous yeah. at the same time. So um, one of the things that you learn from Susan B. Anthony is that the forces that are right now trying to undermine democracy have always been around. Yeah. And if we believe the political psychologists, they're always going to be around. Mm-hmm. There, there was a time in the late 90s when people thought that you could re-educate these white supremacists and make them accept um, diversity. And the political psychologists tell us that there will always be people who resist mm-hmm. a racially diverse democracy. Yeah. And so one of the problems with the fear-mongering is it creates this sort of shock is paralyzing and shock is sort of a helplessness Mm -hmm. if you take as your starting point the fact that they will always be around trying to undermine democracy then when they come roaring back you don't have you don't fall into a puddle of Mm -hmm. shock you say well we expected them to come roaring Mm -hmm. back and they did Mm -hmm. and susan b anthony um, I guess the, to sort of make one little point, um, then I'll direct people to my video. Um, to make one point is she started out. She started out as a as a um, 
abolitionist. She was one of the early mm-hmm. abolitionists. Yeah. The, the, the Quakers were. So she spent the, t- the years before the Civil War working alongside the Republican men who were the liberals at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was the party of Lincoln, working as an abolitionist. And she was a, a member of the Anti-Slavery Society. She drew a salary and she traveled and she lectured. And, um, and she actually, you could say she risked her life for black freedom yeah. because she put herself out there and she had things thrown at her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it was a dangerous thing to do. After the civil war, there was a falling out among the liberals. The women were not included, were left out of the 14th and 15th amendments. Mm-hmm. So the, the 15th amendment is the amendment that gives the vote to black men. Mm-hmm. Women were left out. Yeah. She had a fit over this. <laughs> yeah. And um, th- these are the liberal men mm-hmm. who, who she had been working alongside. Mm-hmm. He said, no, we're not going to include women. And they gave these stupid, really frustrating reasons, like, well, the country's not ready for it. Well, sh- you know, shut up and pass the amendment. The country will be ready for it. <laughs> the country also wasn't ready to end slavery, right? Right. And so, so she was – so Elizabeth Cady Stanton said the, – the word male was actually inserted in the – in the 14th Amendment, yes. limiting, limiting voters to men. Susan, um, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Susan B. Anthony's friend and partner, said, um, said um, professional partner, <laughs> said um, that, she said, if that word male be inserted in the Constitution, it will take us 100 years to get it out. Yeah. And after they lost and, the, and women were left out of the 15th Amendment, um, they thought it might be 100 years before they could undo that damage, mm-hmm. inflicted by the most liberal party, mm-hmm. and they got to work. And she spent her life working for women's rights against the current, knowing that she was probably not going to see results in her lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I find that very poignant. Um Toward the end of her life, she said, oh, if I could live another century. She lived a long life. She saw a lot of progress, um, but she didn't live to see the grand prize, mm-hmm. which was the 19th Amendment. And at one point, she said, oh, if I could live but another century to see the work. And um, she trained the young women in her organization to take over. They called her Aunt Susan. She called them her nieces. Mm-hmm. And the young women took over after she died. And about 15 years after she died, the amendment passed, and yeah. it started named for her. And I wrote a book about Susan B. Anthony. She, you know, she, I got to know her pretty well. And when people wring their hands and say it's too late, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what's it too late for? Is it too late to, to do what we can so that when the young people come up, some of the work is done? Yeah. You know, it's like and, – and the other – I think the other – Last thing I'll say on this, and I'll, I'll shut up for a minute, <laughs> um, is when people say, "Are they going to? Are the fascists going to win?" Mm-hmm. Well, it, it depends on what you mean by win. They're never mm-hmm. going to go away, mm-hmm. and you're never going to have complete victory. So, one of the dangerous things that happens on social media, it, and and sometimes the Democrats make this mistake, is you put this X out there, and you say, "If X doesn't happen, it's all over." Mm-hmm. And this is both demoralizing because, well, what if X does happen and it's, it's not all over? <laughs> and what if X doesn't happen? There's no one way. There's no X that's going to magically make all of the right-wing extremists 
Oh, no. I, I think, though, here's the way I look at it, at least the way that I'm seeing it, is that if the Republicans are successful in their efforts and they take back all the power as far as, you know, Senate, House, and the White House, then I feel like what ends is what the, the the american experiment that we've had so far and it's not been perfect but as you said what's the alternative um i think that will end because it will turn into and it doesn't mean it would never come back um but for a period Wait, but of- i have to stop you because this if is such a big if and let me tell you why because if you, you could say well you know like if the meteor hits the earth right Taking back the Senate, the White House, and and the House without a majority is very, very difficult. I mean, it's so difficult. And one of the things that you say, if they're successful, you're talking about the voter suppression. Mm-hmm. You're talking about what if they overturn the will of the people, right? Mm-hmm. Be- because that's really the only way. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. If they overturn the will of the people. Now, um, the Senate goes by different rules for elections, so the, there's a constitutional am- uh, amendment, the 17th Amendment, which says that the Senate has to be elected by the will of the people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that. Um, before the 17th Amendment, state legislatures chose senators. Mm. The 17th mm-hmm. Amendment changed that so that senators must be elected by the people. Mm-hmm. So there's no amount of state legislature, state legislation that can overturn the will of the people with as far as the Senate goes. Mm-hmm. So the only real way that that's going to happen that they take, and I agree with you, if they take all three, you know, it, it's, it's going to be pretty much done for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very, ha- it will be very hard to bring it back. Right. Um, if they take all three, mm-hmm. but it depends because it would be very hard to take all three without a majority. Yeah. Um, particularly, um, you know, the Senate always stands there sort of as a beacon, right? Because the Senate um, is elected by, there's really no advantage um, other than the fact that there are more senators in you know, these rural areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very, very, very unlikely to do that. Now, if the Republicans win a majority, mm-hmm. that's different. Yeah. Then you have, you have a different kind of problem. Well, and that also depends on how prepared Democrats are in, you know, in the face of all of this oppression and making it so difficult for people to vote. I do think we can overcome that. I think we can overcome mm-hmm. that in numbers. But if, if for some reason, you know, it doesn't go that way, uh, you know, and we, we're watching, I mean, the, okay, like, for instance, I'm watching the Q documentary. I don't know if, have you seen that? Uh, no, okay. but I've read some about it. Go uh, ahead. Well, the, the, the long and short to me on this one is their goal is outside of having weird, you know, like computer minded egos because they're all kind of fighting amongst, amongst themselves. The, these two men are based this guy, Ron Watkins. He's this younger guy. Uh, Jim Watkins is his father and Ron Watkins owns 8chan. And I think he took over Q back in 2018. I think somebody else was Q and then this guy, Ron Watkins, who is like uh, like a not a computer nerd, but like an Internet nerd. He understands how to put websites together and he's very much into it. And his mind is very, you know, geared toward that kind of thinking. And then there are other people involved in this whole uh, ridiculous mess 
that is Q and it's like this battle of their egos but their goal I think their main goal more than anything is to disrupt and that's mm-hmm. one thing that we have right now that we didn't necessarily have you know say 30 or 40 years ago we didn't have the internet where we have Russia trying to disrupt and wait wait wait, the- wait I have to stop Let's see how far back you want to go. You want to go back to 1950. Blacks couldn't vote. No, I get it, but 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 there's so, a difference. Right, so, though, so it's with, a different set of. Pro- I'm saying it's a different set of problems. It is. It's a different set of problems, but the kind of um, there and there will always be a different set of problems. There's right. always going to be something new that pops up. They go, hey, we haven't dealt with this before. But the the thing is, is the internet makes it very easy to, as you were saying earlier, um, kind of make, you know, make people not trust the process, not trust government, not trust uh, our free press and things like that. Like, I think we should criticize the press when they get things wrong or when they, you know, they frame something a certain way. But I believe in the free press and that we need the free press. But I, what I can see happening is like with Donald Trump, he is making so many people not trust them just period not trust them Mm -hmm. but i think that i think what frightens me is that we've got all these different you know not only do we have the republicans that are cheating and willing to really screw over the this country just for power uh we've got we've got you know foreign adversaries who are recognizing how much damage they can do just by throwing disinformation out into the world and because of the internet it's so much easier to get to people now just like for instance with white supremacy um say 50 years ago when the kkk was trying to organize they had to use telephones and snail mail and flyers and now they can reach people across the country across the world in seconds and so it makes Mm -hmm. it just that much easier to organize so i do understand your point that you know we've always had a problem that we've had to overcome uh, this one seems huge to me just because it is the internet and not everyone's on the internet or not everyone's on political Twitter, but there is still this, I don't know, um, overall messaging, overall thinking, I guess, like the, the group think or whatever of how things are going. And so I think the one thing that I'll say is if we lose, if Democrats lose and the Republicans gain all the power, my biggest fear is the climate is that that's the mm-hmm. one thing that we're not going to be able to repair and even right. scientists now are saying we're, we're we're still too far i've heard i always hear conflicting reports like okay in 10 years it's over or it's already over <laughs> you know, i don't know right. but it's like that's the thing that i think worries me more than anything is that providing the climate were fine if we had a worst case scenario and we lost democracy, then I do agree with you that it would just be a matter of time, whether it's 10 years or 50 years or whatever that time frame would be, where it could come back. But do we really have that time? And that's what, see, that's why my mom calls me the crack of doom. <laughs> I, I always look like I can see these darker possibilities. And I will say, talking to you, though, gives me hope. Because, and I, I felt a little better since last week. Last week was bad. Last week was a hard week for me. I was physically not feeling well. And whenever you're physically kind of not feeling well, you know, you get like, for me, I get like emotionally down. Plus, I'm just being hit, 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 hit with things in the news that were upstre- upsetting to me and stressful. Dealing with, you know, 
coming off of COVID and I have unexpected anxiety there. So it was like everything just piled on me last week and I felt so completely hopeless and I'm back to feeling like there is some hope and talking to you does make me feel a little bit better because I realize there are ways to overcome it. But it's so strange because I really have a, I think I have a pretty healthy sense of the dangers you know, yes, and I agree. I, and I think you people do. find my story about Susan B. Anthony uplifting. I mean, it's not uplifting. She spent her whole life, you know, working for something that she could never see the results. Yes, yeah, right. Or she she saw some results. I mean, it, you know, it's um, it's it's that it, there there's a conditional to it, and I think that the um, we have to people just have to. I, I'm actually more worried sometimes about what happens left of center than right of center, hmm. and the, <laughs> the reason is because I expect the right-wing kooks to act yeah. like kooks. Right. Um, and that's the problem, is that they've, they're have they an extremist anti-system party. Yeah. What, then what, what I see is um, people on the left who are also, in their ways, undermining confidence. Mm-hmm. And, and for, you know, when something gets, you know, 50,000 likes or 20,000 likes, when it's really a tweet that's undermining our institutions and you know, and I, that's just as dangerous. Uh, I I had one person on Twitter tell me what, okay, whenever, every once in a while I engage, when someone says the Democrats need to be doing more, the Democrats are like, you know, stupid and pansies (laughs) or whatever. And then I'll say, what specifically should they do? Mm -hmm. And I never get a straight answer. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll, I'll push. There was one one person who had the fact that he, he said he was a criminal defense trial attorney mm-hmm. in his – whether or not he was, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'll pick him, and I'll see if I can get anything out of him. Mm-hmm. Specific, specific. Because it's one thing to, like, shake your fist yeah. and say, yeah, the Democrats are just a bunch of – well, keep saying that, and the people aren't going to vote because why vote for the Democrats if they're right. no better than the Republicans? Yeah. It's, it's really dangerous. So sometimes when you scratch a little bit, what you find under there is the kind of person who does want to torpedo both parties. Yes. And this person actually said to me, the Democrats need to abandon the center and just forget the center. And I said, okay, you lost me there because yeah. now you're minority. Now you're advocating minority rule, mm-hmm. which is – exactly what the right wing is doing Mm -hmm. and then he pushed back and said yes but it's in the interest of Mm -hmm. and then he said but then after you win after you abandon this the the center you take your principles on the far left and you live by them and then you lead and then people will follow you and it's like well this says the same thing let's abandon as soon as you say abandon the center Mm -hmm. you're you're as you're as bad. Yes, I agree with you there. Because <laughs> it's a minority, because then you're advocating minority rule. Yes. Okay, so there. Yeah, so I'm totally. sometimes just as worried about what happens. No, you're, you, yeah, and right. I get it. I think, although I, I will say that I think what you're seeing, and I mean, I'm just going to exclude the far left on this because they are a minority, as you pointed out. And so I, and when I say exclude, I, I just feel like, what what they're advocating for, what they're pushing, I, I think is ridiculous, and it is minority rule, and I disagree with it. But I think the in the general sense, when you're just looking at you know regular Democratic voters, whether they're like me, who I feel like I'm a progressive Warren person, or somebody who is like a diehard you know uh, centrist Democrat, whatever, um, there is a sense of fear. 
And I guess in <laughs> some in some cases, the fear could work for us, like you were saying, when you use that fear to be productive, then it can be a positive. And I think we used the fear of Donald Trump to be productive. And, you know, and then what we saw was all a whole bunch of never Trumpers voted for Biden on the top ticket, but then down ballot, they voted for Republicans. And I think that's why we're seeing the uh, Congress we have right now. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I think that there's so much fear out there and people when especially online, when you have that platform, when you have that um, bullhorn, when you can scream out something, people want to belong. They want to feel like they've been heard and they you know, there's all these knee jerk reactions whether it's to you or to me. And I mean, I have them. I, 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 I do make an effort sometimes not to, but I, I, I'm not going to say that I never do because I do. And I get freaked out. And my, my initial response to that is to try to use that fear. Like, you know, if we don't get our shit together and get organized, you know, we could lose. Democrats could lose. And then we've got more of what Trump brought us. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, and, and the white supremacy really scares me. I, I, mm-hmm. I remember before, um, you know, before Trump and before the internet, there was, there's this guy, Louis Theroux, who I used to watch all the time. And I really like him. He's British and he will go into a world. Like he went into evangelical world and he'll interview everybody and he immerses himself in it. And he's fascinating. And so he went into the KKK and I was, I just remember being so horrified by what I was seeing. I mean, little kids and the things that they were saying, you know, and, and now this was probably back in, I don't know, maybe say 2000, Uh, you know, it was, the internet was up and going, but it wasn't like what it is now. And so, you know, just seeing how far white supremacy has gone in the last 20 years, especially with Trump, I think, you know, that is, that is what is making people say the things because you're coming from this and I know I'm going to let you go in a minute. I know you've got an hour, but you come from a very practical mindset and you're a lawyer and you, you look at things in a, in a very sensible, methodical way, whereas a lot of people like me are just going, ah, <laughs> you know, we're like, oh my God, we're seeing it, it scares the shit out of us. And then that's where these, you know, uh, the replies that you're talking about that are, are giving you kind of making you feel nervous. I think that's where it's coming from. It's like a fear. It's like a panic that we're going to lose. There everything. is, and there's also, the, I do want to say that there are accounts and there, there are, there's clickbait out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And um, one of my, I, I write, I only write for two outlets right now. I write for NBC and I write for the Washington Post mm-hmm. um, once, you know, maybe once a month I publish something. And um, and one of my articles got a really sensational headline. Mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't write that headline. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't tell you which one it is, but it, you know, one one of my friends called up and was like kind of all upset, and I realized, oh my gosh, like my headline, but I didn't write that headline. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and so, and so, but there are also some accounts on, on Twitter that frustrate me because they're about as paranoid. I mean, Trump is paranoid, right? I mean, you could see he was, you know, asking for McCann's records. I mean, yeah. the only. Trump only trusts his family. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he does not trust anyone. There's like this paranoia. Yeah. And 
you know, there are people who before the elections were spreading paranoia about the voter machines in Georgia. And I knew about those machines. Those machines were really, really safe. Hmm. And people were spreading total panic over their fear. And then after it turned out that the results in Georgia were counted four times and mm-hmm. there were no errors. And then it was the QAnon cuckoos mm-hmm. who were, who were, um, you know, who were saying that the machines were bad when they weren't. Mm-hmm. Then I went to look at some of these fear mongering accounts and they're still at it yeah. from the left. I mean, they, they, they dropped that particular, right. They dropped right. that particular angle, but, um, but there, you know, there are there's clickbait that happens because um, headline writers want people to click on the headline, mm-hmm. and um, because people want to be popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I when I post something about the dangers, you know, how what what we're seeing is, a, you know, a, a fascist uprising and how the lies are used to manipulate, I get a lot of clicks. Yeah. When I post a solution, I don't get so many. Clicks. <laughs> right. That's what really sucks. You know, I mean, it's just the same thing with climate. When you write about climate and you and even if you have offer solutions, nobody reads it. And it's so, so irritating. But right. So people want so people put this. So you're right. There's a good reason to be afraid. Mm-hmm. And um, I probably put I don't know how many hundreds of hours I put into <clears throat> voter protection legal work as a volunteer i wouldn't be doing that if i wasn't scared mm-hmm. you know i mean if, right, if all right. the elections were perfectly secure and i was happy i would prefer like to go sit at the beach right, right? Yeah. <laughs> but so so fear is not a bad thing right but fear mongering is yeah. a bad thing yeah. because some because and it's hard it's hard not to react you know, with the way some headlines are written. But as I said, if you click through the serious articles, sometimes you find that the alarm comes down to an if. Mm-hmm. This could have this result. Right. But also, yeah. and actually this is the last thing I said, some of these voter suppression laws are just as likely, if not more likely, to suppress Republican voters. Yes, that's true. That's true. So, you know, that doesn't mean that we don't fight against them. We yeah. do. But the... Um, it's not as dire as we may think. It, well, as long as we see it as a challenge and we get busy. Yeah. And we have the time. We have the time right now to figure some of those things out. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, before, obviously, you're going to be on before the 2022 elections. And I imagine you might have to, once again, kind of try to calm down the energy out there because it is, it is there's a lot of reaction and people are are scared and they're worried and i think we were all triggered by the last 5 years the the trump presidency the way the beha- the, the the republicans acted and then on top of everything covid hits and the response right. was so reckless right. and it was it was purpose it was like on purpose that it was this reckless and right. so many and, people right. died and fear is not a bad thing as long yeah. as it motivating and not destructive exactly and well, as, as yeah. long as it doesn't as long as people don't lose if, if people think that democracy has failed then that's right how do you say it creates it creates the loop that causes it to fail yeah it's basically manifest destiny you're just manifesting it by saying well it's dead don't assume that it's dead before it's dead i mean i will always say we have something to fight for we have something to and it's never dead like i said chileans got out from under pinochet but but when you say it's dead or when you say the democrats are totally screwing up then then voters who aren't paying close attention yeah and not everybody who reads our tweets is engaged politically they 
some of our tweets get true. Some, the political tweets get some pretty wide play. Yeah. And if a, if a somebody who's not all that engaged in politics but does vote yeah. in presidential elections yeah. keeps hearing that the Democrats are screwing up, yeah. then both sides, why vote? Exactly. Exactly. Or they get the wrong information, say, you know, it's like my grandmother who passed away honestly believed like, well, it's the Democrats turn now. Well, it's the Republicans turn. She saw it that way. And, you know, there are people out there who still think like that. Oh, well, it's their turn. <laughs> it's like, right. It's, you got to explain to them why the Republican Party. It's not your grandmother's Republican Party. No, anymore. it is not. Oh, well. Well, first of all, I want to once again thank you for being on the show. Like I said, I know you got to go. But um, talking to you is always a pleasure. I always like to hear your point of view. And you do. I can only speak for me. And some of my listeners, because they'll respond and say, you know, listening to you helps them. So I do appreciate it. And before I let you go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Okay, you can find me on Twitter. And I have a blog. And um, I also do a YouTube series. And if you, um, you know, want to go see how pretty my green office is, you can see me on YouTube. <laughs> well, that's I blog, awesome. usually, usually I do like one blog post a, a week at this point. Um, and, you know, pretty active on Twitter. Awesome. So, thank you. Well, then what I do is I include on Patreon, I include your Twitter, which is basically where you can find everything. So I include your Twitter handle, and then that's got everything. Plus, I've got a couple other links in my Patreon. So if you're listening on Stitcher or the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network, just come on over to Patreon and, you know, hey, become a patron. That would be awesome. But you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. And then, of course, all my books are on Amazon. Check them out. Thank you once again, Terry. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.